What's up, Wob Mob? Are you a fan of free stuff? Well, let me tell you about a really good deal then. With your five or $10 donation every single month on HGO's Patreon, you get access to a ton of free exclusive content for not only Treat Talk, but also for HGO. At the $5 tier, you get all the goodies that come along with being a Wob Mob OG. That means that means a unique sticker, a soon-to-be patch, as well as input every time that we have a You Had the Heights to get your questions answered by our guest. The $10 donation tier, you're going to get all the same stuff, but also voting rights on all things HGO. That means logo colors, merch designs, as well as access to be a beta tester for the HGO platform, your own custom HGO ID once the platform launches, and my sincerest gratitude. If you're not into donating, the least you can do for me is that if you enjoy this podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review five star. And if you leave a comment with that review, I will give you a shout out at the end of the next episode. Much love. And remember, leave no stone unthrown. You're listening to Trade Talk, an HGO podcast where Highland Games athletes from all walks of life come to share their story from their highest highs to their lowest lows. We leave no stone unthrown. And now, here's your host, Hayden Balio. Hayden Balio. What's up, Highland Gamers, Kilted Fanatics, and Heavy Athletic fans? This is Hayden Balio, and you're listening to another episode of Trick Talk. Today, I have a really cool guest, just really meeting her for the first time. I mean, I met her, but this is the first time we're having a real conversation. Really talented thrower. I think my first time seeing her was at the Spencer Tyler Classic. I was just really impressed with how well she threw. And I was just like, who is this person? And... (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. It's Kristen Rothwell. Hi. Every time I would uh, Google your name or type your name, I always thought Rothschild. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's the conspiracy theory theorist in me, but I was just like, Kristen Rothschild, this is going to be an be interesting a interview. <laughs> I'm like, what's it like being part of the five big families? Uh, <laughs> No, uh, interesting. <laughs> I really do appreciate you coming on. It's very early where she where she's at right now, y'all. And so really appreciate the time. Of course. Happy to be here. Kristen, what got you in to the Highland Games? Um, so I had a few years out of college and I had heard about it in college. In fact, my like a, a husband and wife team as coaches at U of I, and he had done the Highland games and he was, you know, he's like, I have all the implements. We should try it sometime. And it just kind of never happened. And when you're in college, I think you're so focused on the events that you're in that it's like, I don't have time for that stuff. I don't have time to, you know, try other things, or at least I did. Um, and so then it just kind of fell to the back burner until 2018 um, and I don't know if you know who Bob McKay is. Um, he's Maybe. a hammer coach, junior college, um, Modesto and Moore Park. He's kind of um, known in the throwing community. And he did the Highland Games for a long time. And he was basically said, there's a games in Montana in like two weeks. And I was like, well, that's cool, you know should go see it or something he's like well I told him you were gonna throw and I was like excuse me (laughs) so then my husband and I were out trying to figure out how to learn 
to pick a caber and it was like February and we're outside in the snow with baseball cleats on and no idea what we're doing. And, um, but yeah, I went and it was really fun. And so I got the bug and that's pretty much what I've been doing since then. So, so what year was that again? 18. 18. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So you graduated college, kind of left the university of Idaho, right? Mm -hmm. Or it was university of Idaho, not Idaho university, right? Okay. No. Uh, University of Idaho in 2013, kind of had some time off. Were you throwing post-collegiately then? Mm, you know, I actually, I didn't leave the school till 2014 because I was still in school. Um, and so I tried throwing hammer kind of post-collegiately and I ended up breaking my foot throwing weight. It was like some fracture on the outside of my foot and that kind of like put a hold on it. And I kind of came back for the season, but it wasn't enough to get me anywhere. And I was like, well, I'm not going to. I'm not good enough to move on, but I wasn't bad enough to like not do well. So it was kind of in that middle area. Um, So I just kind of left it alone and I was coaching. I I have been coaching since then. So I've always been involved in the sport, just not throwing. Okay, cool. So you've been coaching and now was that coaching through Ironwood Track Club? Um, Yeah. So there's a training facility here in Idaho where we actually host um, a really big meet like an elite meet um every year but we have indoor and outdoor throwing facilities that we spend a lot of time coaching local kids and kids travel from um probably like max eight hours away kind of thing to come train so i was involved in that and i've also been coaching at one of the high schools for this season will be like my eighth year i think very cool yeah i don't think anyone who's really ingrained in the throwing culture doesn't know about the ironwood uh is it invitation Invitational or classic? Classic. Classic. Yeah. 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 It's um very classic. It's a very, very cool comp. And I think this last year you had my uh ex teammate Ryan out there. Ryan Krauser. No, he didn't he hasn't come. He hasn't come to Ironwood? Mm-hmm. Oh, I no. thought he did. Maybe. Bart keeps trying to tempt him with all these fishing trips, but <laughs> that is the way to get him good to yeah. go somewhere for sure. Yeah, hopefully he'll make it out there one day. But uh, yeah, that's a. I know it brings a lot of amazing throwers, regardless. So, and we have such a depth in the shot put world, especially here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. That it's not hard to get some seventy footers out to your competition anymore no. because everybody's throwing seventy feet. Like it's the new city. <laughs> I know it's weird. So annoying. <laughs> uh, I um, so you know twenty eighteen kind of start. Uh, means kind of you've only been throwing in the games then for three-ish years then mm-hmm. this is your third year you've had kind of a quick rise to success here I mean you you've done amazing you're ranked extremely high this year at the I guess the national champs uh, in at Scott Fest you got second place mm-hmm. that's congratulations so I got to talk to Emily and you know she was extremely excited about a um her, her big third place finish, uh, Megan, Megan McKee, was she the, was she the one that took a uh, first place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. Yeah. She's, she's a really good thrower. She's actually a, in the same conference. Um, she was in the WAC when we were, I, we were both in the WAC. That was a long way to say that. Um, she was at Fresno state when I was at U of I. So we competed against each other in college. Very cool. Very cool. And she was, a uh, what did she throw in college? She threw everything. She I mean, threw everything. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah, most she's women threw everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I did. I, we had to throw everything too, but because mainly for conference. Yeah. You know, obviously, it was like, need some points for conference. So, 
throw the weight, Hayden, even though you suck at it, but maybe you'll get some points. <laughs> I um, like the weight. I mean, I'm happy for you. <laughs> Good for you. Okay. <laughs> I, I love seeing like the results from the Scott Fest, for instance, because like, you came in second place with 31.5 points, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what Megan came in, uh, what her point score was, but it seems like, like what? 12. It was 12. like 12 or 13. <laughs> so she was a dominating force that day? Yes. But uh, I always love the competitions where it feels like it's so well balanced throughout the day that, you know, you can't have that terrible finish on something or else you lose three places. Yeah. And that can always be, that's always fun, I think, personally, because it makes it much more interesting and always makes it feel like cool like you're competing against good people like these mm-hmm. are good throwers and mm-hmm. you have to be on point that day yep and that's how a championship should be right yep so you know this year it seems like you've hit around seven competitions mm-hmm. you know how is you know how is the rest of your season looking do you have any more comps coming up or is it's kind of it this is it uh, the last um games i had was in mcminnville which is a kind of semi-pro games um, that Ray puts on. And he brings out kind of like top throwers from different classes, if you will. Um, so he had like John Oden for Masters. And I think John Van Buren was supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. He couldn't, he got a little hurt. And so, um, and then Alyssa was out. So that was... <laughs> Poor that Johnny. Got... <laughs> I'm so sorry about your hamstring. <laughs> He's going to be fuming. Um, But no, that was kind of the last one, which is a good one to end on. There's not, I mean, you guys on the East Coast, like Midwest, East Coast are still going strong. And I think you guys in Texas go for a while because summers are so hot. You go during the winter or kind of. I don't think any of us like to go during the winter. We're all kind of pansies once it gets past like 40 degrees. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah no snow 40 degrees i mean last year we had like you know we had ice apocalypse last year it was pretty crazy but yeah yeah and the true. whole state basically shut down and yeah. we almost had to, i mean i remember our, our electricity like utility companies came out and was just like hey y'all if you wouldn't mind when you're not in the house keeping your house at 82 degrees during the summer to preserve energy and i was like <laughs> I think everybody in Texas was like, please, <laughs> like that's going to ever happen. They're like, and when you're, when you're there, you can bump it down to like 78. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I would just be, I would lose, I would lose 30 pounds. I can't, yeah, you know, that's just fun. ridiculous. But once it gets cold, I don't think any of us like it, but we do have, I think two competitions just in Texas in December, first weekend of September, second weekend or December, first weekend of December, second weekend of December. We do have some comps all the way through November and October usually. So yeah, we're yeah, fall. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you were there for July 31st, uh, Spencer Tyler Classic. Yeah. So you know what it's like to throw in the the middle of summer. It's just Devil's not fun. Butthole. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If we were closer to Houston, it would have smelled like the devil's butthole too. Oh, so that's okay. just... <laughs> but hot and humid so yeah we tend to stay away from the summer months that's when we like to travel to fun competitions in other states what was your favorite competition this year or actually through your career so far what's been your favorite comp Mm, boy you know that's hard 
I I really like the Florida games just because it's it's such a big festival. Um, but Pleasanton was a really cool experience too. So I got I got to go to Pleasanton 2019. And you know, people tell you that there's a lot of people in the stands, but you can't like fathom it until you're standing in front of them and it's like, oh my God. So I've it's hard to pick a favorite, but I the Florida and Pleasanton are definitely at the top. Uh, have you heard any more news about Florida? No. <laughs> no. Like, I love the Florida games too. I got to go the year before it shut down. And so, you know, right at the beginning of 2020, I got to go and do the Scotland versus US. And that was so oh, fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's supposed to be North South games this year. And of course, East West. Yeah. And that would have been fun. And Pleasanton, yeah, I've heard amazing things. I was so I was very happy that it happened this year because yeah, it's I know you know how California, you know I know how California is just a little stricter on everything than just the rest of the country. <laughs> just a just a teensy bit. I was telling you, like I got this stupid slap tear, but I was supposed to go to Loon, which was probably going to be my mm-hmm. other kind of feeling of like, holy crap, like this is an actual competition. This feels freaking cool. Yeah, those, the videos, that'd be really cool to experience. Yeah, no doubt. So I'm, I'm kind of looking at your results and your phenomenal thrower. You've hit these kind of massive numbers in, let's talk about your heavyweight for distance, right? Okay. Like, so obviously the heavyweight, 28 pounds for the females. I mean, that's a chunk of change. Percentage-wise of your body weight, that's a lot. Right. Percentage, yeah. even the 56 pound for me, it's probably less percentage than the 28 for you. So, so, but you know, you got these, you kind of dropped some bombs these past two competitions, or I don't actually know McMinnville because I don't have the results. I was like 49. It wasn't horrible, but yeah. Okay. Well, but like Bitterroot and, you know, Spencer Tyler Classic 51 4, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, just something that comes naturally you seem to you seem to be extremely as i was watching you at spencer tyler classic i was just like okay she definitely has like technique like you throw the stones well and you throw the you throw the weights extremely well to the point where you know it does feel discus like uh watching Mm you um were those two the easiest to basically cross over from trap and field to the Highland games yeah, for sure. The the weights were, it was kind of like a fun experiment, um, trying to figure them out coming from a track and field mm-hmm. background. Um, sometimes I still, I mean, obviously everybody gets frustrated, but um, it's been, so going back to the heavyweight, I threw 52 in 2019, I think it was, kind of like the peak of my season. Mm-hmm. Um but I also lost like 30 pounds this year. And so I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. I feel like I have to throw it differently. And I switched up my wine. So it was really a rocky start this year. And so then I just went back to my regular wine and things were okay. Um, I think I had to be a little bit more patient, um, but it didn't affect me as much as I thought it would. I've always been really technical because I've I'm smaller for a thrower, really. I'm, I've always said I'm 5'8", but I'm really like 5'7". So <laughs> it's just, and you can see in pictures, everybody's like up here and then there's like me. So yeah, I feel um, the same I've 
had to be technical, which is good because it, it fits my, my, uh, athletic ability, I guess, to be that technical. So, cause I'm not going to beat anybody in weight room numbers. That's for sure. But I can move. So that's yeah. my benefit. Well, that's something, you know, that something that Mike Beach always kind of mentions and I'll echo him here because it's such a technical throw. Um, I really believe that the, I believe that the heavyweight and the lightweight are probably the most technical throws I've ever, I've ever done. I, I was never a good hammer thrower like Olympic hammer does. So to, he'll, 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 he'll to toe turn. I'm, I'm not really, not really going to be that well-versed on that stuff. But for me personally, the most technical throw I've ever done, and this is probably because I've had so many reps at shot, but that shot, put is very technical, but at the end of the day, like it just comes naturally now to me, but learning like a two, two turn in the, in the weight was just so, I don't know, abnormal for me and being patient and not trying to treat it like a discus where I wanted to catch with all of this wrap, right. Yeah. And then drag it around. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing that's extremely interesting and kind of like making sure it's almost following my right hip around. And so yep. this is just, that throw has just been very something I've had to focus on and my lightweight two turns finally coming to fruition, my heavyweight still doing the one turn, but eventually I hope to be able to make that happen. Uh, you've had kind of a meteoric rise, you know, in your three years, you've gotten to this elite like pro status. That's what I'm calling women on the podcast, by the way, <laughs> you know, are pro hiding gamers. So you've gotten to this pro status really quickly, finishing second to Megan here at the, at the champs, uh, us champs. Obviously you're still really involved in throwing You're coaching, throwing and, you're involved in Ironwood Track uh, mm -hmm. Club. What do you do still now, being at a high level, to continue to grow and get better in the sport? Um, I I'm very visual, so I love seeing when people post videos um, mm -hmm. because I'm always looking for different ways, um, and I'm always willing to try new techniques and things and take this from there and. So I'm always looking at people's videos. Sounds weird, but, um, and then okay. I actually- You're a creeper. You <laughs> I'm a creeper, but I own it, so. Um, hey, everybody, Kristen's stalking your videos. Just know that. Christine when it the says, <laughs> Christine is stalking your videos, and, <laughs> and when you see that you've gotten like 400 more views on a reel than you normally get, it's, it's just, just Christine just replaying it over and over. <laughs> It's her second yeah. time in the bathroom today, guys. And she's just watching that same video over and over. This is ridiculous. It's a you compliment. Hear, you hear the yell. I mean, uh, <laughs> my wife would get so frustrated because I would be watching my own videos for analysis mm -hmm. over and over. Mm -hmm. And I, my friends also get annoyed at this. They're like, they're like, turn your phone down because I just have it up full. And so I would, they would all help though. Everyone said, yeah, I could hear my feet when they land. Yeah. But like every, you know, one and a half seconds, they'd hear like, ah, ah. <laughs> they'd be yeah. like, just turn the audio down. Like you don't have to listen to it with it on. And I'm like, <laughs> but okay. So, you know, kind of looking at other people's videos. Mm -hmm. All right. And I, I've, I've tried to find um, kind of older stuff. So people have told me names and I, I don't know a lot of the 
history of the games and the people that, you know, like used to be really prominent and that kind of thing. I think there's a whole generation that was kind of like legends of the sport that I, that I just don't know. So I'm always trying to find names and look at things that way. And I'm like, you do, like you were saying, I film a lot myself and review everything. And I have, you know, coaches, eye is a great resource for anybody because you can just break it down so slowly because there's things that you can't see, you know, especially when you're having, you know, you just got done with a workout and you're not feeling anything. Sometimes going back and looking at the video, you're like, Oh, it wasn't horrible, but I can definitely see this problem, you know? So Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to improve technically. And just like life hack for anyone, just shoot it in slow-mo. If you have good lighting, you know, if you're in the daytime, you got good lighting, shoot it in slow-mo. I always like to do that. First of all, makes way cooler posts if you're going to post it, (laughs) right? Slow-mo just looks cooler. And second, yeah, you can, you don't have to like scrub through 30 frames per second. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, you can really get nitty gritty with the details. So you know, you said something interesting, kind of talking about the legends of the sport. What are, so when you're looking at video, you're not just looking at other kind of females, you're looking at uh, male throwers as well. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I think there's a lot of tie over. I mean, everybody talks about this, but with body types, um, mm-hmm. there's, I think there's the same principle that, that, you know, I could take something from a smaller guy who's faster. Okay, so who like do you me. watch for, who do you, who you're like, this guy's a similar body type to me. You know, he's, <laughs> I really like um, Nathan's technique, Nathan Burchett. In fact, okay. I want him to help me with my caber. I haven't asked him yet, but. Hey, yeah, Nathan, you're, if you're listening to this, Nathan, <laughs> please reach out me. to Christine. <laughs> I went, I went out to Iowa. He put on a games in um, like June, I think it was. Um, it was the second year and it was, that was really fun. It was hot. It was also hot and really windy, but it was really cool seeing um, Nathan and Isaac throw. They're fast people. So is Emily. Yeah. I mean, for how small she is, she is so powerful. Yeah. I I always get, I'm always baffled by the athletes that I see in the sport. It's always fun. Has Nathan, Nathan and Isaac, were they, were they collegiate throwers? Do they throw? I don't know. I don't know. I'm always interested in also getting some people on this podcast that, weren't just collegiate throwers, you know, like that came out of like a different world. For instance, there's, you know, my instinct says that they were not because they've been in the games for a long time, but I don't know. Gotcha. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe not like, you know, there's this, um, New England thrower was a lightweight. Now he's gone pro and I think he's gaining some weight now. (laughs) Thank God, Nick, because, you know, being under 200 pounds, it's cool and everything until you have to go to 56 for distance. Yeah. And, but he, he throws, you know, he's doing extremely well, even at a lighter body weight. And he came from powerlifting. And so just, you know, I'm just interested in also hearing from people that, you know, don't have the background that we have, which was, yeah. you know, thrower in college, did some post-collegiate stuff. You're still really involved in throwing in general. So like yeah. you have that kind of on a daily or weekly basis. And that's always, that's interesting to me. Are there any women, uh, like kind of pro women throwers that you've thrown with that you know don't have a post-collegiate background? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, and that and that's, you know, perfectly fine answer. I was just wondering, because I'm 
I'm trying to like go through the list of everybody in my head. I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, I would consider Emily Hilty, who I was talking about just before. I don't think uh-huh. she has a track and field background. Okay, gotcha. But and I've, I've never met Emily or Nathan or Isaac, actually, for that matter. But I, they'd be um, hilarious. You should have them on. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> I will. I, I I have been talking to people about who I should have on, and they've been mentioned plenty of times. So <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. You've done really well. You kind of told us your secrets about how you get yeah. better, which is stalking <laughs> people, right? And just continually watching videos for hours and hours every day while you uh, milk the goats and whatnot. I'm yeah. sure this is on repeat. The goats are getting really annoyed at it at this point. I'm They're sure. like, turn out the volume. <laughs> They're like, listen, it's so early. Just just turn it down. Like, <laughs> it's a couple less decibels here. Um, what, you know, when you look at the future, your future in Highland Games, what do you want to see? What would you like to progress the most over the next year? Uh, whether that's throwing or training or whatever it looks like, you know, what are you focused on the ne- for the next year? I know that we throw nine events, so this might be hard for you to single down and just say something, like try to bottle it down of like the highest priority for you over the next year is what? Um, so I've never been very good at goals. My, okay. um, my husband, Kyle, he's always, he's always been in sports psychology and that kind of thing. And he's always like, you need to write them down. You need to figure it out. And it's like, I just don't, that's not how I operate. I have a lot of goals in my head. I just don't like writing things down, I guess. Um, but I definitely, is it a commitment issue? Christine, are you, <laughs> is that are you afraid of yeah, you I'm afraid, afraid of commitment. <laughs> yes. I don't want to put the pen to paper. Um, no, I just, I'm, I definitely want to figure out my hammers. Um, okay. That, so I'm, I, I know I'm going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, but as far as specifics go, I, I pretty much just look at the events in a list, like a priority, like this is my best, this is my worst. And I start from the bottom and work my way up. Um, and I, I try, especially in the off season to make everything pretty bulletproof is how I look at it. So I don't do a lot of throwing, um, but I'll do quite a bit of drills, um, especially cause I can't really throw outside in the winter, obviously. Um, so I try and make everything really consistent when it comes to footwork, when it comes to, um, implement placement, I can do all of that without actually throwing. Um, so I spend a lot of time on that and then I'm wanting to get stronger. <laughs> this is the first um, kind of last year and this year. So I actually work with Ryan Whiting. He writes my weightlifting programs. Desert, desert, what? High performance. Desert. Um, mm-hmm. High performance, yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's been a huge part, I think, of my success, especially with losing a little bit of weight is because I used to like not back squat in college because I had, you know, SI joint problems and who knows what it is back then. It's probably just overuse. Um, but now I can do that stuff again. And I've gotten kind of like holistically stronger and spent a lot of time down in the depths (laughs) reconsidering my life, but I have definitely made progress. So I'm, I'm ready to kind of build on that. So those are kind of 
Nice. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I get it. I mean, well, spoken, first of all, the first part spoken like a true track and field coach. <laughs> I'm going to make things bulletproof by doing a bunch of drills and we're all going to do drills. And we're doing drills. You understand, everybody? Everyone's uh, like, oh, great. So I just want to throw. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's it's a huge part. It's probably something that I lack the most in my training, mainly because I have done so many drills. My, yeah. I had a private uh, coach, became almost like a second dad like a, or like a big brother when I was going through high school uh, that started training with me when I was in seventh grade. And he was meticulous about drills to the point of, and I mean, I, I contribute most of my throwing success through high school, my ability to throw 75, four coming out of high school and 210 to being to drills. I mean, like yeah. I could get into the ring at any time and I just knew my feet were going to land in the right yep. place. And so it was just a matter of, okay, well, it's just about, what am I focused on in this specific moment? And that's just, okay, I got a focal point out of the back I need to hit. And then it's just, I just know everything else is going to fall into place. And I'm just here yeah. to, to piss on it at the end, right? Yeah. You know, I'm just here to yep. burn it up. You put and, in the work already. Yeah. And, you know, so he would have this thing where, you know, we would do stops, you know, and I think mm -hmm. I don't know, people have different names for them. Obviously, everybody has a little bit different name, but, you know, it's just a full technique into a, their power position on the dime, right? Stop on the dime. Yeah. Yeah. And, we would have, I would have to do 10 before every practice before he let me do. Like, I'd have to do 10 perfect ones before any every practice before he let me throw with him. Like, before he let me do any kind of full throw. And so, obviously, it's annoying whenever I get to seven or eight and I mess up and my foot, like, you know, inches out a little bit, three inches or something like that. He's like, cool, yeah, no worries, take a break. We'll start over. Uh, let's get 10 before we go. And so, I learned real quick that this is the most important thing in my life where yep. we have happiness. So. I, you know, I think technique is something that I probably just don't you do as much of right now because uh, there's the rebellious athlete side or adult side of me that's like, I don't have time. I'm an adult this. now. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I have my coaches in my ears from past life, like being like, you should do drills today. I'm like, no. I'm Sorry, gonna I can't throw. hear you. I'm going to throw until my hand breaks. And, uh, <laughs> and it happens like that. And then I'm like, yeah, I should probably have done some uh, technique. But once uh, you're tired, then it's like, oh, maybe I'll do drills now. <laughs> so, but the second part, you know, the, the strength aspect, obviously you already throw extremely well technician. You got that on point, right? Which is nine, you know, 80% of it. Let's say that, you know, 20% of it is the, the horsepower underneath it. And which is awesome that you kind of have the 80% at some level with all the events. And now it's kind of like, okay, let's build the strength. So I love that you said you're back to squatting. I think all women that hopefully are listening to this podcast should know that it's okay to squat. Um, it's okay to squat y'all. It's okay to get uh, big and strong. Well, you won't even get big, Godly. you won't get big. Okay. You'll just get strong. Um, but you get big in the right areas. Yeah, there you go. You'll get big in all the Instagram areas. And that's yeah, what everybody wants go. anyways. Um, <laughs> that's what I want. I just want a huge butt and thighs. Like that's, I want like cycle leg thighs and a huge butt. And I never want to wear jeans again. There you go. Yeah. I want, I want my 
I want my five inch inseam Lululemons to just fit like boy shorts on me, right? Um, keep rolling up, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's why I wear a fanny pack, y'all. In case you didn't know, that's just that's the hack. Fanny packs allow you to wear like really comfortable clothes without having to shove all the stuff in your pockets Boom. <laughs> and make them look all bad. But speaking about training, you know, high level overview, what is what does your training look like in the weight room? Like you said, you don't get to throw much outside during the winter. That's understandable. Had Kendall on the podcast uh, back in back in October, and he kind of said the same thing. You know, he's just like, at some point, we just have so much snow that um, it's really hard to get anything done. So, yeah. you know, trying to do some drills, trying to work on stuff, and trying to stay in the weight room and get strong. So you don't get to throw that much, but you're still doing drills. What is the next, you know, I don't know if you, you know, maybe you're going to East West here in Florida. What is the next two months of kind of training look like? What does your off season weight room look like without telling everybody what Ryan programs for you, you know, kind of generic overview for people to understand, like, this is how Christine lifts. Mm -hmm. It's definitely heavier. Um, more grindy, if you will, um, with a lot of conditioning stuff, actually, um, and not in the very typical sense. So he does a really great job with core work, and that'll put me over the edge like every time. Have you suck in wind, and it's just like how how am I supposed to finish this? Like, and um, I. I'll be probably like four days a week in the weight room. Um, there's definitely five days of programming, but with life, I have to consolidate and pick and choose sometimes. So, but there's a lot of. Wait, you mean you're not a full-time athlete? This is ridiculous. Oh yeah. This podcast is only for full-time athletes that are in the Highland Games. <laughs> He's like, bye. <laughs> yeah. End of interview. Bye. <clears throat> and oh. I. It's definitely, it's hard, but I enjoy that part of it too, putting the time in. Cause I'll be in there for almost two hours sometimes, but it's, it's, um, volume goes up obviously. And I'll still do pretty much all the same movements with a couple additives here and there. I'll just probably end up, you know, squat variation two times a week instead of just one stuff like that. So got it. And as you approach your season or for instance, a important games, for instance, like Skyfest, right? Where mm -hmm. you're going down there, it's world champs, maybe, you know, hopefully y'all got paid. If not, then hopefully yeah. one of the games that you got paid, right? It's like when you approach a games like that, that you're ready to, that you're looking to Perform. do well at. Yeah. And kind of peak for what, you know, how does your training change? You know, so we work, we work things for a peak. So I tell them when I think the important games are and that part's kind of taken care of. I'm a really good athlete. Um, I'm capable of writing my own programs, but when I do that, I don't stick to them and I don't trust myself necessarily. So that's why I have someone else do it because then like I'm paying for this, I'm going to do it kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, so that part is kind of 
taken care of by him and I trust him in that process, especially because it's been almost two years, I think, or a year and a half or something. Anyway, but my on my end, especially throwing wise, I start dropping reps, um, throwing, and I'll make sure kind of like you were saying where your drills and you have to do 10 perfect ones. Um, I'm trying to make sure that it, you know, at least my last three throws, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get on these. And if I'm not doing it right, then I go kind of back to square one. Not that my practices end up being really long, but I I'm trying to be consistent honestly, and to make sure that I'm confident in certain movements and whatever I'm working on is clicking in one way or the other. So it definitely, the, the lifting tends to kind of wane off anyway, or at least they get shorter. I'm not spending two hours in the weight room, but the, the throwing goes up in quality, not necessarily quantity. That makes sense. Quality and not necessarily quantity. And when, how many days a week would you say you're spending out there practicing? Like in a given week, how many events will you touch? You know, I try, I try and touch everything in a week. Um, it doesn't always happen, and I'm. Do you fine. practice something like the wob? Yeah. Okay. Just wondering. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, I have. I actually don't have a heavy weight. I'm trying to find somebody that'll sell me one someone sponsor this girl and give her a heavyweight yeah. Jesus. <laughs> oh and i have a 32 that i throw and then i i can turn it into a wob and i'll take pulls with that and that'll make you humble real quick but um i have I a 32 that i use i have a 32 that i use for my my lightweight and yeah it does it's it's defeating almost it's, where like, it's, just it's like, only like what four pounds or something it's, it's only four pounds so but it goes so much less like less distance i'm just like <laughs> so like I, instead of aiming for what i feel like i should be hitting which is like upper 80s i like end up i'm like hoping it's 70 feet with this thing today. <laughs> like if i hit 70 feet i'm gonna feel so good about myself but then posting that it's like it only went 70 feet but it's 32 pounds you know yeah yeah <laughs> So I get I, uh, do you measure a lot? Uh, I will. Yeah, I do measure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, mainly because I don't have any, very rarely will I ever have any PRs. Uh, when I had a breakthrough in the hammer, I had PRs uh, in practice. But very rarely will I have PRs in practice. And usually I measure to understand, in my mind, uh, how my body feels. Because mm-hmm. uh, like I can feel really good and I don't know. We may have had the same thing in college, but like in college, there were times of our year where we, I was just so, I was so worn down from so much lifting, so much conditioning, so much everything. But I also like, it's like my body had acclimated to that. We had adapted to that. And so even though I was worn down, I still was moving through the ring well, mm-hmm. but I could feel like, you know, I was hitting like 63 and I'm like, I know I should be hitting like like mid to high sixties right now, but I just had to remind myself that like, even though I don't have soreness anymore, in my legs, because my body is like a machine right now. Cause we've just been lifting forever. And like, it's still like CNS is still not firing. Yes. Like I'm still not recovered. And so I tend to use measuring in practice as just a way to say, okay, this is where I'm at and whether or not I can back off because the weight room has never been Weight room has never been hard for me to maintain heavy weights and to move them fast. So 
I don't get a good sense in the weight room for how tired I actually am because yeah. I can, I feel like I'm at least at a point in my training age where I can go in there and on any given day, deadlift 700 pounds quickly. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what day it is. It doesn't matter if I'm really sore or not. Like right. I can make that happen. Right. So throwing is the only way that I can really gauge nowadays, like where my CNS is. Yeah. If I'm not, if I'm not popping off and it's not going 90% of what I feel like I can throw in a competition. Yeah. I just know I'm not going to, I'm a competition thrower. And like, when I get in the comp, I'm going to have a lot of fun and I'm going to go yeah. buck wild, but yeah. in practice, you know, it's just, I'm trying to hit positions and work on a couple of things, but uh, yeah. So that's why I measure. I'm assuming, do you measure or no? Uh, it depends. I've, I didn't used to like at all um, because I'm so kind of self-focused that I, I tend to gauge things versus on how they feel versus how far they go. But then I was kind of reaching a point where it's like, well, I do need it to go farther. So I need to figure out if this is a good feeling or a bad feeling. So, <laughs> Well, that's why I originally started measuring in the first place, because actually just what you said, I was trying to feel things. Mm -hmm. But when I felt the 56 in my hand or even the 28 at the time, when I was attempting to do my first two turns, like I didn't know. I felt like subconsciously I was putting like, it should feel like this, but when I do this, it's going further. So like, yeah. I look at my video and I'm like, okay, maybe I need to rewire my brain to say like, actually, I do need to bring it around further. I don't need to drag it so much. And so when I, when I feel that drag, when I feel that separation in the power position, I'm like, hell yeah, this is going to be a huge <laughs> throw. And then it goes five oh, feet less wow. than me actually pushing it around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like. So that's kind of why I started uh, really measuring because I was just like, that one felt weirder, but it went a lot further. So yeah. maybe that's why, you know, it, but that was kind of towards the beginning. So I'm assuming at some point I'll get to a point where I'm like, okay, well, this is how it's supposed to feel. And I might not have to measure as much, but yeah, that's, that, you know, that's a good, I like that. I like that you do that. Um, and also like, I've seen other people do it too, but you just set out cones in like a certain range. Yeah. And like, okay, my first five throws will be below this cone. And then I want my last five to be above it, you know, like uh -huh. to work with intensity in that way too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I always had, well, when I had my truck, I always had some cones and I would always put them out regardless. And I'd always, but I would, <laughs> like classic male thrower, like, I feel like I've trained a lot of these kids too. I would just like put it out there at like Spencer's world record or something like that and just be like, that's what I want to hit today. <laughs> that's, <my goal. laughs> that, yeah. that's where I want to be. So I'm just going to put a cone because every other fucking mark doesn't matter. Um, but <laughs> that, uh, yeah, but I do. I have used cones in the past. Um, I, you know, thanks for going through kind of your, your training with us. I, I think it's important for anybody that's hope, hopefully listening to this podcast, it's hopping on and maybe getting into the sport to kind of understand how all you different athletes train through a yearly basis because it's just all of you have different styles. Right. And yeah. Ryan's great. Like his desert high performance is great for anybody who wants to, I'll plug them, you know, for right now yeah. uh, we have a lot of, there's a lot of people that are out there programming. Uh, Ryan's great. There's a lot of other great programmers as well. I for one am the same way as you. And I won't even say I'm a good athlete. I'm not a good athlete. You can ask my program, my coach who programs for me. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a star student, but I will, like, I know that I can't 
program for myself, even though I have a CSCS and I have all these things. And I'm like, I, I did strength and conditioning for a while in my life. I'm like, no, I just know that I won't probably program all my weaknesses that I need to program. And, and yeah, I'll just tend to sit heavy on all my strengths that are fun to do in the gym. And so that's why I went that path as well. And it's paid huge dividends. So good to hear that from somebody else. I, I completely, I'm on, I'm on par with that. So moving forward, you know, you've been in the sport, this is your third year in the sport. All right. So I still would consider you to be like, well, compared to other throwers, like you're still young in the sport, like myself, this is my second or third year now. You've gotten to go to some really cool competitions. Now you've thrown Mm -hmm. some high level people. You're throwing in an area that seems to be flush with competitions, even though they were kind of remote at some level, right? right? But if you're willing to drive, you can hit Utah, you can hit um, Washington, Oregon, right? Mm -hmm. Montana. So you have a lot of competitions, or it seems like you could fill your schedule up in those areas for sure. And after talking to John, you know, I know, and Rachel, I know that that can happen right yeah um mm-hmm. but what would you like to see change in the Highland games what would you as a female pro thrower like to see different um you know I think it's a little bit of a hot topic but I think it would be I think it would be really beneficial to the sport if there was kind of one governing body let's say if I know it kind of used to be that way and then split off for various reasons and you know you have kind of two sides of the country that do things a little bit differently um and obviously the weights are the same or relatively the same and you know the trig is still the trig whether it's a standard or winged and all that kind of stuff but it's just I think it would help the sport and help the athletes let's say there's one men's championship there's one women's championship you know there's not it's not like all these different, um, what are they called? Associations, I guess. Um, and that's, that's, I think that's a little bit of a maybe selfish request in a way, but I, I do think that that would be beneficial. So. I don't think it's selfish. I think that, I think that people putting their ego in front of the growth of the sport is selfish. Yes. And I think that having more unity in the sport will only will only make it grow yeah and that's um so i don't think how you think is selfish i mean it's echoed across you know at this point of the podcast i've pretty much only had legends and highland games like elite highland game throwers that most of them had a post-collegiate background and or like collegiate and post-collegiate background and it's echoed through all of them and i think obviously it's because we come from something like usatf too and NCAA NCAA, and we had this structure and there's a lot of things about the structure that are annoying at times yeah but it's a lot but after being in for instance before my stint in Highland Games like I did powerlifting and I did some strongman competitions and at least strongman has like basically two groups right (laughs) and (laughs) but you know, my stint in powerlifting was eye-opening to what can go wrong in a sport. Mm. And there are there are a hundred federations in powerlifting. Yeah. Anybody can make a federation if you want right. to. 
because of that, there's hundreds of world records in right. different federations. And yep. uh, there's hundreds of world championships and national championships. And everybody has their own rules. And so, yep. and everybody has their own fees that you have to pay to be a part of their federation and then also to get into their competition. Right. And as I was talking with Emily last month, we're in the state of the hunting games where we can men don't get paid so much that women can't get equal pay right now for like doing the same thing they'll mm -hmm. bring the same value in my opinion but on top of that we're also in the state of the sport where we have this really cool chance not to fuck it up for everybody <laughs> after us uh and and it's part of what i want hco to become right it needs a database that's and it needs a place to bring all ADs and it needs to eventually have an advisory committee that makes an actual official rule book when eventually down the road, the sport to really gain notoriety, really to really grow, it needs to eventually have some kind of standardization with mm -hmm. some of the implements, <laughs> right? And I, and maybe at first, like I talked with John about, maybe that's just at a Maybe that's just at a national championship level. Maybe we can have standardized weight at a national championship level. And maybe we can all pull our resources to say, this national championship will actually pay a lot of money because we're not trying to split it up into three or four national championships. It's just one, we can, that's more enticing for people um, to go and say, okay, I really want to train for this. And it brings more sponsors to the table that brings like, more awareness of the sport and right. therefore it can grow into something that yeah it was back in the 90s and so I love that I I think you're I think you're spot on well and you I, made a comment and one of the other podcasts I don't remember which one that's like oh my gosh you listen oh you my listen? gosh yes <laughs> <laughs> wow you're one of the 12 <laughs> um I even voted on your little Spotify poll I didn't know that you could do that on Spotify uh -huh. but I'm learning um, all kinds of things yeah, but I, I, you said basically like if I'm gonna keep doing this sport, like I want it to go in this direction, so I'm gonna do something about it basically. And to me, that's really valuable because I think there is kind of like a, I think we're just from what little I know, I think that there's a little bit of a transition right now from kind of what the sport was to what it's becoming, and there's a lot of new blood if if you can put it that way. And there's, there's people from the past generation that are still helping run things. And I think there are people that are trying to, to kind of centralize everything, if you will. It's just hard. I mean, there's so much spread when you're talking about something that's across the whole country, you know? So, but it is, if you want it to go a certain way, you have to be in the trenches like you are doing the work and making sure that, um, that everybody's heard, you know? So I think it's very important. Well, I appreciate that. And I agree. I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of there's, you know, the old guard, new guard have a conversation of, there are a lot of new ADs coming in to the mix. There's a lot of people that are wanting to host their own competitions. And so they're doing that on their own without festivals. Um, Zach, Dr. Zach Riley, who I had on last month, he said, yeah. he thought, you know, one of the big things is that we need to separate ourselves from festivals at some level, because 
we saw in 2020, you know, he basically was like, we saw in 2020 how when the festival shut down, there's no real opportunity yeah. for pros to go throw, but also those were the biggest point of awareness for the Highland Games were these big festivals. And so we need to be able to host our own games, get out there. And I know there are a lot of people out there right now in the U.S. So shout out to all y'all that are hosting your own games that are trying to make something happen in your region or area. Yeah. And that's really cool. And I just, hopefully you can continue to do it even if your first comp has 20 or 30 people at it and not 80 yet. You know, it's like, just stay on the grindstone and, and keep doing what you're doing. So I want the sport to be something big. Yeah. If like, yeah, like I said in the other podcast, if I plan on being in this sport, then I'm just too, I'm too high maintenance and bougie for it not to be a big deal. You know, I have standards. I have very high standards and I want this, I want this to be something cool for everybody being newer to the games What's one thing you wish you had known when you began your Highland Games journey? I am pretty serious when it comes to competition. And I think that comes from track and field, obviously, where it's not um, it's not good tact to be like really showy. Um, so I I wish I would have relaxed a little bit sooner. Um, and the games has taught me that it's kind of in a way it's like a flip thing. I wish I would have known that in college um, because I approached the games like I did track and field at the beginning. And I learned pretty quickly, like, no, kind of just here to like throw some stuff. Like just want to have a good time kind of thing, which is really important. If you put the work in, in your training, then you're not supposed to be, you know, super serious and focusing on every little technical cue across nine events. So I wish I wish I would have kind of let loose a little bit earlier, just from a, like a mental standpoint, but. I love that. It is a huge deal to know that we throw sticks and stones in the field Mm -hmm. and not to take it too serious. It's uh, and I mean, once again, you're like a lot of the people that I've had on the podcast already. You've had a lot of reps in your life. And so it's not hard for you to step in the train and be able to turn it on when you need to turn it on and have some fun. Um, so I like that, you know, just earlier on, you wish you would have just said, yeah, chill, chill out, homie. <laughs> Relax. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> Without getting into the weeds about the sport, I don't know if this is would be the same advice for somebody else. Actually, I'll make it where it can't be the same advice because I'll say, okay, without going into the weeds about the sport or a specific event what advice would you give someone that's super relaxed already coming into the highland games i'm just gonna make it that much harder for me yeah. <laughs> i mean i thought i'd stretch it yeah um make your core strong um i think i thought my core was strong when i first started um hammers if i practice hammers sometimes i'll still get sore um and i think it makes throwing a lot easier, especially with the the implements that we have to throw and the positions that we put ourselves in, that you're obviously less likely to get hurt and it'll transfer better to your life. Um, just bending over to pick up a box at work or something like that. Um, make your core bulletproof, honestly, and 
look up new exercises to do and challenge yourself and hold this while you, it's just like, you could do anything. The core is such a, such a impossible thing to hit fully, really, that you just have to like keep trying new things. So like that, I had a running joke with uh, Mike Beach for a long time that I was going to come out with a ebook that just was titled Big Back, Better Life. So it's like <laughs> just having a big back and a core just makes your life better in general, just yeah. in, in general. And you said it yourself. You're just like, this is going to make everything better. Yeah. And it's so true because you just feel so much more capable when you kind of got that strong foundation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. So strong core, everybody. It's really huge. It's um, the, you know, the legend that is Damon Kim having him on, like he talked, he talked so much about core work, like just, yeah. and we use so much core throwing everybody. Like there was nothing, there's nothing static about the Highland games. No. And so rotational core work and just yeah just making that iron clad like a a tree trunk between your chest and your and your hips right just locking it in it's gonna only do it's gonna do so much for your throwing and yeah to echo you it's just gonna be better in general for your life i'm gonna start wrapping it up here uh so i don't have to keep you too much longer how would your high school friend describe Highland Games? I mean, I heard a couple people say it already, but it's just kind of the, is that the one with the telephone pole? Yeah. And I, like, that's even what my grandma said when I first told her what I was doing, but yeah, the telephone pole or the tree or, yeah, or it's just kind of like a blank stare. The Scottish Highland Games, and they're just like, "Mm, no. (laughs) You're like, you're like, you're even worse than everybody else. At least they know that it involves a telephone pole. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, what are three other resources that you would suggest to the audience here listening? The dozens of people that need to know where to go for Highland Games content. The tens of people. <laughs> um, definitely finding someone to train with. Um, someone who might know more than you to help you along. And Facebook is really good with that. Um, I mean, I know there's a group close to me. I haven't made it out there. Sorry, Sean, but I definitely think training with people is important. Um, cause I'm a pretty firm believer that if you can, if you can coach something, then you understand it. If you can't coach it, then you really don't know what you're doing. So I think it's important to, for one, the training group to not only help you, but for you to get to the point where you can help other people too. Um, So training groups, watching video, recording yourself, like you said, in slow-mo, that's a huge resource that I think gets slept on because you, and nobody wants to take the time to set up a camera and, you know, I end up. I just haven't bought a tripod for all of the recording that I do. So I end up sticking it in my shoe or something, Um, but it's valuable as much effort as it might seem. And then it sounds cheesy, but um, like myself, sorry, myself. I didn't um, know. uh, Sorry. We're getting so emotional over here. Everybody (laughs) she's, she's cracking. It's, 
I'm it's okay. Up. This is a safe place, Christine. We can we can <laughs> get on it out. Here on the podcast. <laughs> it's okay. Not it's still really. only like seven a.m. there, so you're forgiven. I'm mostly awake. Yeah, <laughs> look, it's getting light outside. Even yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, but no, I'm I'm a person that's very willing to help anybody that reaches out. If you if you have something that you're like, I don't understand, and this is kind of where I'm at, I'm more than willing to do what I can to help. So finding like kind of finding someone who knows, like I said before, more than you, but it doesn't have to be a local person. I mean, reach out, take the time to, to find someone really don't be afraid of being a little bit like weird. Hey, I was stalking you on Instagram. Can you help me? <laughs> She'll resonate with that. Don't worry. She'll understand completely. Um, yeah. You know what? My, you know, the audience here is getting this like awesome list of people that they can just reach out to whenever they want. You know, by the way, everybody, you know, like almost everybody that we've came that has come on has just been like, yeah, shoot me a DM. I'm like, at this point, I think you're my ninth one. It's like, okay, well, you can literally ask everybody on the podcast a, about a different event and yeah. you can you can talk to them about a different event, right? Where can uh, people, where can people find you? Where can they follow you? I'm on Instagram. I'm Christine Weenie. Christine Weenie. I don't remember how it's spelled. I think it's two E's in my name, but it's all good. I'll put it in the uh, I'll put it in the show notes. I am I am not a probably the reason that you said you can find any info on me is because I just don't have a very big digital footprint. I'm it's like overwhelming to think about posting things. So while it might not look like I'm super active posting things i'm on there so she's stalking everybody I'm she's stalking. there I'm just watching the little like a little snapchat emoji that just watches <laughs> <laughs> yes christine weenie awesome thank you thank you for being on the podcast thanks for spending your early morning with us yeah. and everybody thank you so much for listening to trick talk with christine rothwell christine rothschild i'm sorry i'm so sorry christine would you just say thanks for listening bye everyone <laughs> perfect thank you of course thank you for listening to trig talk an hgo podcast for exclusive trig talk extras including you had the height the unedited ad-free post podcast show where Hayden sits down with a guest to talk most embarrassing moments in their career and answers questions from HGO patrons. Go to patreon.com slash H-G-O-U-S-A. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash H-G-O-U-S-A. All right, there you go. I spelled the whole thing out. You have no excuses now. Thanks again. And remember, leave no stone unthrown thanks for listening to trick talk